Welcome to From the Pulpit, the sermon podcast of St. Matthias Anglican Church in Katy, Texas. Today's sermon was delivered by Father Jason Grote. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Today, as you enter the church, you may have noticed that the crosses are veiled, hiding the cross from our sight. And some of you who were here back in 2013 may remember me preaching on that particular practice. But I would dare suggest that many may not remember everything from that sermon. Furthermore, there are many here today that were not here, so I figured it might be good for us to review this again this morning. It seems ironic to veil the crosses in one sense, because today we begin that period in the church year that is known as Passion Tide. Today, the fifth Sunday in Lent, is called Passion Sunday, and the days following are known as Passion Tide. From now until the crucifixion, this is a period when we specifically consider the cross and the passion or the suffering of Christ. And I say it's ironic because at the time when we are most pointed in looking towards the crucifixion, we at the same time hide the cross from our eyes with veils. So why do we do this? Why do we veil the crosses in the church from now until Easter. Well, technically Good Friday. Well, there's a few different reasons as to why. It's said that at one point in history, when many of the parishioners were illiterate, the entire altar was veiled throughout all of Lent, and not just during the final two weeks of Passion Tide. And it, like much of the symbolism and mannerisms of our worship, was a visual teaching tool to express that it was Lent. It taught the separation that sin created between man and God. Secondly, and flowing out from that same teaching, the cross is our symbol of the glory of Christ. It's the symbol of the victory we have in the cross. It's the symbol of our relationship with God that he purchased for us with his blood. We adorn our churches with crosses. We wear crosses on our our necklaces in a way that shows that we embrace Christ and that we belong to God through the cross. We make the sign of the cross on ourselves during the service to show that we're blessed by God and made his children by virtue of the cross. The priest signs a newly baptized person with the sign of the cross in symbolism that he or she bears the mark of God declaring the truth that that newly baptized person is buried with Christ and risen anew in Christ through his resurrection. The cross is a symbol of glory. It's a symbol of victory. It's a symbol of relationship. It's a symbol of the atoning work of Christ. And so during Passion Tide, when we most pointedly look towards the cross, we veil them as a way to awaken us anew to those truths of Easter with much joy. As one author wrote, the veils are, quote, hanged up at this time of Lent in the church, that we should have our minds fixed on the passion of Christ, by whom only we were redeemed. 
This practice made a startling transformation of the church so that Easter literally burst forth like the Lord from the tomb when the church was returned to a normal state. End quote. This failing also corresponds with our lesson today in the Gospel of John chapter 8. As ancient as the liturgy is, this gospel story starts the season of Passion Tide. Herein we are shown that time when Christ reveals his true identity. As God revealed who he was to Moses on the mount as I am, so Christ reveals who he is by saying that same name. Before Abraham was, I am. And at this revelation, we're told that the Jews took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus went out of the temple and hid himself. And as Christ hid himself from the rage of the Jewish authorities, so now we veil the crosses until his words are revealed not just in word, but in deed. For at his cross, even the Roman guard would recognize and say, truly, this was the Son of God. But this veiling and unveiling yet draws our minds again to another truth. The veil draws our mind back again to the Old Testament to the temple, and to the sacrificial system. We all remember, or ought to remember, that which occurs when Jesus dies on the cross. Matthew writes in the 27th chapter of his gospel, Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was what? Rent in twain, from the top to the bottom. The veil of the temple was torn in two. The veil, or the curtain as Mark calls it, was that which stood in the temple and separated everything else from that area known as the Holy of Holies. I know our kids in the Sunday school class were talking about the structure of the temple not long ago. And Avery came home and she was able to tell me all about the Holy of Holies. It was that innermost part of the temple. And within the Holy of Holies stood the Ark of the Covenant, at least until it was lost. As the scriptures tell us, the Ark was the footstool of God. In a very real and tangible sense, the Ark and the Holy of Holies was the dwelling place of God. Thus, the Holy of Holies was symbolic of heaven. It was the place where heaven and earth met together. And the curtain was even colored and embroidered with imageries to represent both heaven and earth. Within the temple, the Holy of Holies was restricted to the high priest. No one else could enter into the presence of God behind that veil. And even the high priest had to bring a sacrifice to do so. This was known as the Day of Atonement, or as we know it, Yom Kippur. It was the one day in a year that the high priest would go behind the curtain to pour out the sacrificial blood before God. So, in the ancient temple, there was always a continual separation between God and man. As long as sin existed, sinful man could not stand before God. And the curtain was never removed because no animal sacrifice could offer the life that was needed to reconcile God and man. The sacrifices of the high priest could not remove that curtain. Hebrews chapter 9 says, But only the high priest 
entered the inner room, meaning the Holy of Holies, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, the writer of Hebrews continues, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. Yet, at Christ's crucifixion, that same veil of separation in the temple, which could not be removed prior, is torn in two. And I suspect you can gather why. Our epistle passage from Hebrews today reads in part, But when Christ appeared, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, he entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. The veil was torn in two because Christ's sacrifice was offered. His blood was poured out. And at that moment, God reconciled himself to man through Christ. The veil of the Old Testament earthly temple becomes the veil of his body in the heavenly temple. As Hebrews states in chapter 10, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And so today we veil the crosses in remembrance of who Christ is and what Christ has done. And we'll keep them veiled for two weeks. We remember the great separation that exists because of our sin without Christ. But we veil with a great yearning for that which we know is true. We have a great yearning for the day when the veil will be removed. When we will come again on Easter, rejoicing and knowing that the cross and the empty tomb has won for us the victory. Victory over sin. Victory over Satan. Victory even over death. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. We pray that God's Spirit has spoken to you and blessed you today through this sermon. If you would like to learn more about St. Matthias Anglican Church, you can visit us on the web at www.stmkaty.org.